And last week and again today, uh, I've started within the meeting um, just reminding us of what the vision of Grace Vineyard is. And our strap line is encountering God, encountering people. And the vision comes out of that, of to encounter God every day so we are equipped to share His love, joy, peace, presence, power, and saving grace with the people we encounter on a daily basis. Now, during my message last week, um, if you weren't here, um, you can listen to it on the new website. And uh, if you were here, how much of it you remember, I'm not sure. Hopefully you remember quite a bit. But I spoke about being in the wilderness and how I felt I'd been there. Uh, I'd been in a dry place for a number of months and it affected my life as well as the life of this church. And there was such a freeing feeling as I shared about my situation. Uh, about being dry. And I believe that it has broken something over this church. And we're going to see God moving in a powerful way this year. The devil doesn't want us to grow, doesn't want us to be more than what we are now, but God does. And I know whose side I'm on, and I know who has the greater power. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's what they say, it's like an ant and an elephant, and even... The, the difference between God and the devil is even greater than that. But uh, that's the difference, you know. The devil thinks he's powerful. God knows he's powerful. So today I want to speak a man, about a man who was not so much in a dry place or a wilderness, but about a man who was in a dark place. You know, twice this week in my Bible readings and in the book that I'm busy reading, the, prayer, the book of, on how to pray by Pete Gregg, um, his name and his story has come up, and I felt that the Lord wanted me to look at some lessons that we can learn from this man and his situation. I'm speaking about blind Bartimaeus and his encounter with Jesus as found in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. So today we're going to learn some lessons from blind Bartimaeus. Last week we learned some lessons about being in the wilderness. Today lessons about the lessons from blind Bartimaeus. Some of this, a lot of this is from a message that I preached a number of years ago, looking at blind Bartimaeus, but in a different, from a slightly different angle. So let's read Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Then they, this is Jesus and his disciples, came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And there are also other accounts in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke about Jesus and the blind beggar or beggars. But it's only in Mark that we are given the name of Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus means honorable or the son of one esteemed. Honorable or the son of one esteemed, and yet he was a beggar because he was blind. 
So from this account, what are the things that we can learn? I've got, is it six or seven points? I can't, seven points that we can learn. The first thing is we have to recognize our condition. We have to recognize our condition. Bartimaeus recognized his condition. He was blind. And because of that, he was a beggar. But he also knew that he was a son of Abraham and as such, a chosen one of God. He was a Jew. He was a son of Abraham. He knew that, but he was also a beggar because he was blind. There wasn't much scope for work in those days for blind people. Today, things are very different. They can be different. We had a friend in Malawi who, she wanted to be a doctor growing up, very bright woman, young woman, um, but she had a glass eye. And so when she went to apply at university to uh, do medicine, um, they said, no, you can't do medicine, but you can do physiotherapy. Because if you lose the sight in your good eye, you can carry on as a physiotherapist, but as a doctor you'd struggle to, to be able to encounter your patients and see what the problem is. And so she became a physiotherapist. If she lost the sight in the eye, she could carry on working as a physiotherapist, as there are many physiotherapists that are blind, um, that can do what they need to do. So we recognize the fact that people who are not yet followers of Christ are blind to the truth of Jesus. They're blind to the truth. We were all blind at one stage in our lives, not knowing the fullness of who Jesus is. Maybe having heard about him, read stories of of him, seen movies of him, but not understanding who he really is, that he is Jesus Christ and that what he's done for us. We've got to learn about that and that we need to surrender our lives to Christ to receive all that he has for us. I think we can all agree on that point. There are many people like that in the world today. They think they're enlightened, but they're actually living in darkness because they're blinded to the fact of who Jesus is. And what about us? We've come out of that darkness, but some of us are still blind to certain areas in our lives. We're not living in the fullness of all that God has for us, in his abundance. We are not totally blind, but many of us have a restricted vision of God's glory, goodness, provision, and abundance. It is like dealing with sin in our lives. We first have to recognize that we have sin in our lives, that we've sinned before we can deal with it. If we don't recognize it, we won't deal with it. King David did this after he was confronted about his affair with Bathsheba. That is why God could call him a man after his own heart. Because David responded to being called out in an amazing way. Psalm 51, verses 3 to 5. He wrote Psalm 51 after he had been called out about his affair with Bathsheba. He says, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. David recognized that he was a sinner. I recognized that I was in a wilderness, in a dry place, and confessed it last week. And after we've recognized our condition, recognized our blind spots, then we can begin to deal with them, which leads us to the next point. Secondly, 
We have to recognize whose presence we are in. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by, he recognized Jesus as the son of David. And he knew that he was in the, in the presence of his promised Messiah. That's one of the names of the Messiah. The Jews would call him the son of David. It was one of the names for the Messiah that they were waiting for. And Bartimaeus recognized this. And he called out to him. Jesus, son of David. We have to recognize that we are in the presence of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Jesus promised us that he would never leave us nor forsake us and that he had to ascend to heaven so that the Father could send the Holy Spirit to be with us. The Holy Spirit is our comforter but also our counselor. He comforts us when we're going through struggles but he counsels us when we are doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And he can come alongside us. And he he will convict us of our sins but he never condemns us. We are never alone. We need to know that. We are never alone. As a child of God, you are never alone. Even on your own, you are never alone because God is always with you. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's what Jesus promised. But he had to ascend to to heaven to be with the Father so they could send the Holy Spirit to be with us. We are never alone. And as as we gather together, as the church, um, be it in twos, as a, with a prayer partner, or small groups such as in the connect groups, or doing the outreach, street outreach in Purley, or in our corporate gatherings on a Sunday, we recognize that God, the Holy Spirit, is with us. And we are in the presence of the Creator of all that is known and all that is unknown, all that is seen and all that is beyond what we can see. That's whose presence we are in here. And when we welcome the Holy Spirit to come in on a, on, a sad, on a Sunday morning or in any meeting, we expect His presence to be here. We know He's here. And he can, we invite Him to make Himself known to us. Matthew 18.20 says, For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. There I am with them. Husband and wife, when you are together and you call on the name of God, you, God is with you. He is always with you. When you're out with a friend, if you're not married, if you're single, out with a friend or someone, God is there with you, two or three. You might not be having a church meeting, but you are the church. You're part of the body of Christ, and God is with you. We are God's chosen people, and as such, we are precious to Him. He desires to be with us at all times and to fellowship with us. He is constantly watching over us. We are never alone. Sometimes it's hard for people to hear that and understand it, that they are never alone. Some people don't like being on their, on their own because they don't like themselves. They haven't learned to love themselves yet. And God comes alongside them and says, No, I love you. I love you. More than you can love yourself, but you need to learn to love yourself as well. Don't ever let the devil or one of his evil spirits tell you that you are all alone. You are never alone in this world. You are always in the presence of our Lord and King. He is with you wherever you are, wherever you find yourself. Thus, when we are with those who do not know Christ, they are in His presence too, because we carry His presence with us. We carry the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. 
That's what we do. And we've got to understand that and realize that. It doesn't mean we don't go into dodgy places or things like that because that's where Jesus went. He met with the sinners and the prostitutes and the, he was always accused by the religious of look at what he's doing. It doesn't mean we go and hang out there and live like those people, but it doesn't mean we stop from going into those places if God is leading us there. God is taking us into places because those are the people that need to know who Jesus is. Those who are in the darkness and living in the darkness. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, For we are to guard the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We've got to go out amongst the lost and be that fragrance. Being out on the streets with street outreach, that's what it's all about. Being the fragrance of Christ out, the aroma of God out in, in Pearly. Meeting people that do not know Him and sharing His love with them. And this takes us to the next step of the process. Thirdly, we are to cry out to Christ with all that we have. Bartimaeus cried out to Christ, and even when the people tried to stop him, it says in verse 48, the second half, but he, uh, second half of it, but he shouted all the more. He shouted all the more. That's what Bartimaeus did. The crowd was telling him to keep quiet, and his spirit within just welled up, and he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. He shouted out all the more. And there's times when we need to shout out like that. If we find ourselves in a dark place, we need to shout out to God. God, Son of David, have mercy on me. If we find ourselves in a situation that we no longer want to be in, when we've recognized our, our blind spots, we know we're always in the presence of the living God. That when we call out to Him, using the name and the power that is found in no other name, but in the name of Jesus Christ, He will respond to us. Jeremiah 33, verses 1 to 3 says, While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the God, if you read about Jeremiah, he was a prophet to the nation of Israel when they were in a bad place, and the king didn't like him because Jeremiah always came with God's word that was contrary to what all the other prophets the so-called prophets were prophesying and uh, he got put in a well at one stage and he got locked up because he was speaking God's word. He says, while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the God, this was a good place, the courtyard, he wasn't down a well. The, wo the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says, he who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name, call to me and I will answer you. And tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Call to me and I will answer you. And tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God wants to speak to us. And he wants to reveal to us those things that seem to be unknown to us. He wants to show us the things that he has for us. Jeremiah was in the courtyard of the God. And God said to him, call to me and I will answer you. He was in a bad place. He was under God. He was locked away, separated from the people who loved God. But he said, call to me, and I will answer you. When we call out to Christ with all that we have, he will hear us and answer us. How many of us did that at the time of our salvation? We were in a bad place, we were whatever. I mean, some of you have had a great life, brought up in Christian homes, and... Uh, 
you know, loved God from when you were young, and some people don't know when they became Christians, when that exact date was, but their, their love is changed. Others have come out of a dark place where they've had to cry out to God, call out to God, and God's answered. If he can do it for you, he can do it for anyone. He tells us to call out. It could be for ourselves in the situation we find ourselves in, or it could be on behalf of others. Praying for our unsaved friends and families. We need to cry out to God for those people. I know many of you have unsaved family and friends. I trust you've got some unsaved friends, because if you've only got saved friends, you need to get out. You need to get out and meet with people that aren't saved. Because how else can you be a witness? How else can you share the love of God if all your, pe- all your friends are saved? You need to be out in the world there. Not of the world, but in the world. So that you can reach out to them. We need to be crying out to God on their behalf. And as we do this, we need to real- realize that it's not always an easy thing to do. So our next point is realize that there will always be opposition. Number four, realize that there will always be opposition. And if things are going easy, you need to maybe ask yourself, am I doing what God wants me to do if it's all smooth sailing? Because when we cry out to God, like Bartimaeus did, he began to call out to Christ. The people rebuked him and told him to keep quiet. His opposition. As you begin to push into the new things of God, there will be opposition. Sometimes, um, from yourself, first up, you will struggle with what God is calling you to push into. You'll be crying inside yourself, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. But know that it's not you doing it on your own, in your own strength. The Holy Spirit, who lives within you, who is with you all the time, 24-7, He is the one who will enable you to do it. If you're doing it in your own strength, you will have to maintain it. But if you're doing it in the power of God, power of the Holy Spirit within you, you don't have to maintain it because it's God's work that you are doing. And it's His will that you are establishing, not yours. It it should never be hard work to do that. It might be difficult to get into it, to push into it, to do it. But then God... As long as you're doing what he's called you to do, he takes you through to the next step. So after you've overcome your own inhibitions and opposition, then you'll meet opposition from others. Most often time from your family and close friends. And as we get into this together as a church, we need to make sure that we are not critical of anyone in the church. And in so doing, we'll release one another to move ahead. When God starts using one or two people to do things, don't criticize. Don't wish that you could be doing those things. Ask God what, is it, what it is that he's asked you to do and make sure you're doing what he has asked you to do because only you can do what he's created you to do. Don't ever wish that you were like somebody else. Because basically that says to God, you didn't create me well. You didn't create me properly. And he doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. Every person who is created is created by God in his likeness and in his image. So don't wish you were like somebody else. 
maybe wish that you acted in some ways like them when you know you don't act in that way. If you're under pressure and you act, react as opposed to acting in a situation, yeah, that could be something. God, help me to be more like them in these situations. But don't wish you were them because then you're wishing away who God created you to be. And don't ever criticize somebody who's doing something great for God either. Criticism only hinders, it never helps. Encouragement helps. So let us encourage one another. And to encourage means to put on courage. So let us first of all put on courage on ourselves and then put courage on others. When you encourage somebody, you're saying to them, you can do this. You are able to do this. God knows that you I know you can do it. I believe in you. I believe in you. You put courage onto them. You build them up. You don't tear them down. You speak positive things into them. Tell them how wonderful they are, how well they're doing. That they're really good at what they're doing. Encourage them. Put courage on them. When we encounter opposition, it strengthens us. We need to overcome opposition by persevering. Bartimaeus did not give up when the people opposed him. But he cried out all the louder. He persevered. He was tired of his situation and he wanted change. So he persevered in his crying out. James 1 verses 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance helps us to grow, to develop, and become the person that God wants us to be, who He created us to be. Perseverance. How often have you started something and then given up on doing it? And then later on actually regretting it, saying, I wish I'd persevered with that. Might have been something that you did as a kid. Maybe you started to learn the piano. And you got tired of it because all your mates were out playing football or rugby or cricket or whatever it was. But you were, mom and dad said, play the piano. And now you say, oh, I'd love to play the piano. I'd love to be part of a worship team playing the piano. Perseverance. You have regrets when you don't persevere with the things that God calls you into. Don't live with those regrets. If you started playing the piano years ago and you want to play again, get yourself a piano and start practicing do that. And just say, God, sorry I messed up the first time. Help me this time. Mm. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God wants us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We want that for our kids as well. Those of us who have older children, grown-up children, we, we want them to succeed and persevere. And when you've got little ones, that's what you want for them. You want the best for, for them. And that's what God wants for us. We are His children. As we persevere in calling out to Christ, we can do this with confidence for the following real reason. Fifthly, we need to realize that our cries are heard and get God's attention. Your cries are heard when you cry out to God. He hears every word you say. 
Verse 49 says, Jesus stopped and said, call him, call him. Jesus stopped, Bartimaeus had Christ's attention. His cries had been heard and Jesus was now paying attention to Bartimaeus. As we call out to God, he stops and listens to us. And the amazing thing is just how awesome God is, that he can hear each one of us when we are praying. In this church, when we are praying, there are hundreds, if not thousands of other people, millions of other people that are praying. God can hear each and every one of us praying. He is able to do that. That's how awesome he is. He stops, he listens, he never ignores us. I know as a father, I often ignored my kids when they were crying out. And there's times when we actually need to ignore them. When they're having a temper tantrum, you ignore them. Because if you respond to them, they're just going to use that behavior all the time to get your attention. If they have a temper tantrum, let them have a temper tantrum. They hold their breath, all they'll do is pass out and then start breathing again. They're not going to die. You cannot self-suffocate yourself by holding your breath. And kids need to learn that. So there's times when you just leave them. But when we get God's attention... We've got to be, in, obviously, in the right way. Yeah. He stops, he listens to us, he never ignores us. He's waiting to hear us cry out to him and call upon his name. He desires us to be ever in his presence, continuously communicating with him. That's why these little prayers that we shoot up during the course of the day, when you're going into something and you just cry out, God, I need your help now. I'm going into a meeting, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. Give me your wisdom and your strength. Just lead me and guide me. Those little conversations, we need to have those times with him. And that's not being selfish by praying those prayers. God wants to hear that. It's like when you with your kids and they're little and they want to know something and they ask you and they want to hear from you. God loves that. Psalm 43, verse 7, sorry, Psalm 34, verse 17 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. He delivers them from all their troubles. They cry out and he hears them. Our cries are heard and get God's attention. And then we must do what Bartimaeus did. Our point number six. Decide to throw aside the things that hinder us. Verse 50 says, Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Bartimaeus made a conscious decision to throw off his cloak for a very good reason. The cloak that Bartimaeus threw aside was a cloak that was worn by the blind people, beggars. They wore a cloak to make them recognize. Just as today we have people walking with white canes. We know they're blind, or they might have a dog. It's one of those fancy leads. Okay, not just a leash that can, where they can go running off, but one that has got a firm grip, and it's solid. We recognize those people as, as blind. Bartimaeus had a cloak that said to the people around him, I'm blind, I need help, I'm a beggar, I can't do anything. But he threw it aside. He threw it off him. And he came up to Jesus. It was something that identified him as a blind man. And that was why Jesus asked him what he wanted. Because Jesus hadn't seen him, he had only heard him. I mean, obviously Jesus knew exactly what was wrong with him because he was God. He is God. But he was no longer wearing his blind man's cloak. He had thrown it off as an act of faith. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have to decide 
to throw off or get rid of the things that hinder us and be like Bartimaeus. It's an act of faith to throw those off, the things that hinder us. And then having thrown off that which hinders, we need to do the last thing. And the seventh thing is come to Christ and tell him what you want. Come to Christ and tell him what you want. When Bartimaeus came to Jesus and was asked what he wanted Jesus to do for him, he did not stand there and say, but you are God. You know what I need. You know what I want. He had to tell Jesus what he wanted. He had to tell Jesus that he wanted to see. He had to be specific. And he was specific. How many times have you prayed vague prayers? Father, take care of my son or my daughter, my brother, my sister. Bring them to faith. Bring them to faith might be a little bit of a more accurate prayer thing, but take care of them. Bless them. How do you want to bless them? Be specific with God. God wants wants us to be specific. What do we want to see change in people's lives? Tell him. We need to do the same. We need to come to him and verbalize what it is that we want him to do for us. Don't be shy or think that you're not important enough to have God's ear for him to listen to you and for him to do something for you. He's waiting. He's longing for you to come to him and tell him what your needs are. What your needs are. Not what your wants are, but your needs. The Lord's Prayer is give us this day our daily bread. Not give us today what we need for next month. It's today for what we need today. But we need to be specific. We need to tell him first. God has given us free will and will never violate that. So until we tell him of the things that are hindering us, he will not do anything about them. But once we ask, once you ask, get ready to live in freedom. Ask, and he can answer. Get ready to live in freedom. John 15, 14 to 16 says, You are my friends, this is Jesus speaking, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. The Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And that's not just tagging at the end of your prayer in the name of Jesus. It's asking in accordance and in alignment with God's word and what is the will of God and Jesus for us. So, say, ah, God's going to give me whatever I ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I want a million pounds in my bank account by the end of today. Okay, is that in alignment with God's will? I know all of us would love that, wouldn't, wouldn't we? But is that Jesus doesn't say I'm going to promise you these things, but if we ask him, if we can ask him, like, I want to see somebody's life changed. I want salvation to come to this person. That's in line with God's will for us. We can pray that and know that he hears it. doesn't always answer it in the way that we want it answered. We need to understand that. But that's a whole another teaching, talking about prayer and prayer unanswered. But get Pete Gregg's book. And uh, you can hear what he has to say about it. Really good. Ask, and the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. As we love God and obey him, as we do all that he's commanded us to do, and as we live as his friend and not his servant, 
then we are assured to receive all that we ask for in the name and power of Jesus Christ. That name that is above all other names. But we need to be in alignment with what God is doing. Bartimaeus, after he was healed, did not just go on his own merry way, but it says in verse 52 that he followed Jesus along the road. He followed Jesus along the road. We are living on that road with Christ. Make sure that you're obediently following after Jesus and not walking along your own path. You need to walk in what we, what God is, where God is going. And as we walk with Jesus on a daily basis, as we recognize that we have blind spots in our lives, and as we ask God to deal with them, He begins to transform us from one degree of glory to the next. We grow and mature in order to become better disciples of Christ and also better disciple-makers. This is an ongoing process. We are going to be doing this every day of our lives until we go to be in glory with God. We never make it this side of heaven. Okay? Do not be discouraged. Be encouraged by the process. Realize that with time you have a greater measure of understanding and freedom as well as being more experienced. But you have to go through the process again and again. And each time we have to recognize our condition. We have to recognize whose presence we are in. We have to cry out to Christ with all that we have. We have to realize that there will always be opposition. Realize that our cries are heard and get God's attention. We need to decide to throw aside the things that hinder us and we need to come to Christ and tell Him what we want. I just want us to just spend a bit of time now just to stop and just ask the Holy Spirit to show you your blind spots so that you can begin to deal with them. Sometimes you might get a friend to tell you what your blind spots are, to help you to see them. Other times it will be through his word or just when you are in his presence. But I want us to just stop now. So you don't have to beg. In the presence of Jesus, Bartimaeus was not a beggar. He might have been blind, but he had cast off his cloak that indicated that he was a beggar. And he stood before Jesus as a son of Abraham. We are not beggars, but we stand before God as his sons and daughters, able to ask him for anything in Jesus' name. So let's just take a moment. Take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any blind spots to you. And then just where you are, if you're on your own, find somebody else who's on their own. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. If you struggle to pray out loud, don't worry about that. When you're praying with somebody, just put your hands on them or ask them first if you may. Just put your hand on them and pray as you want to pray. So let's just wait on the Holy Spirit. Just ask him now to show you any blind spots.